Welcome to Out of the Blank. Welcome to another episode of Out of the Blank slash In Search of Reality podcast. We're doing a double recording feature because we're, we both enjoy each other's company. We haven't talked in a while. And Dylan, welcome back to the show. And thank you for letting me be on yours. Hey, thanks. Yeah, thanks for uh, having me on. And um, thanks for, again, being on my show as well. Uh, don't know what we're going to get into today, but it should be interesting. This is what we call a double feature. So you were telling me a little bit about your... Um, movie that you're currently working on which you you typically don't you know you're not a, you're not a filmmaker for my listeners who don't maybe know who you are you're you're a podcaster i think you do kind of like a a joe rogan type style podcast i think i think you're um a little bit i don't want to say better this is than gonna rogan be bad for hold on this is gonna be bad for my show if we do an interview style thing on me because then it'll be like a show about myself we're not gonna enter we're not gonna we're just gonna it's gonna be a discussion man it's just we're gonna straight up we're going to talk about what's the, we're going to catch up, dude. Cause you, like I said, you're interested in a topic I've never talked about before. And it's, oh, I've talked about a couple of times. I think we've shared a couple of guests on it too. Um, but it's more about like the metaphysical stuff. And I mean, I have thoughts on that too, but I never really have a guest that kind of, I'm probably speak more, more with like academic style discussions when it comes to like people that just have like a PhD in like iron metabolism or something. Like yeah. That. Now, when you're talking medical, physics what are you talking or metaphysics when you're talking metaphysics what do you what are you what are you kind of referring to you referring to like consciousness as a, a state or what are we what are we talking about here i would say around that like more like um astral projection style things the reason why i'm interested in this topic as of recent is because there's a document called 10 i think it's 1035 or 10 it's either 1035 960 or 1095 360 it happens to do with the kennedy assassination it was what the media or the government gave every single media outlet to label all new things or new evidence in quotes um call it a conspiracy that comes out against the Warren Commission. It's the best document we have to show that the media is being manipulated by the government. And at the bottom of the document, it says destroy when no longer needed. And it's our best evidence to show that the media just slandered and only goes with the official narrative that it was one man that killed the president. But when I type that into my thing and I type CIA after it, it shows me that document. But I made a mistake when I typed it in one time and I typed in 1095. 360. And what it opened up to was a document on the CIA website that I could, I, I, I might be able to send myself and show it up on air, but it goes into the anatomy of the human brain and it doesn't, it's on the CIA website and it does not explain anything about like the actual science behind it. What it talks about is altered states of consciousness. It goes into these different types of categories when it comes to temporal experience, how people perceive time, how people remember memories and how to implant false memories. That's, that's weird. What is that? The, an end to upside down. So this is a good book. It's by Mark Gober. It's uh, what I'm currently uh, reading. And uh, it's hitting on the lines exactly what you're talking about right now is why I, I brought it, which is fascinating. Um, so you're right. And it, the thing is about it is science doesn't um, 
they can't find where consciousness is produced by the brain. Um, they don't have any kind of proof of that. They have kind of a lack thereof. And that's what this guy talks about. This guy is not, you know, a scientist. He's just basically a Wall Street guy who likes to analyze evidence. And he took evidence from both sides of the, of the coin and, uh, you know, wrote some books. He's wrote a few books. And, and his analysis of the data, consciousness doesn't exist within the brain. It exists outside the body. The brain is more like a receiver, like a, a TV antenna or something like that. Um, and he, he talks a lot about like, you know, near-death experience, psychedelic experiences. So for example, from my own personal, um, you know, experiences with psychedelics, which I've had a few more since we last spoke, um, it becomes hyper-realistic in, in a psychedelic experience. But the, the issue with that is, is you would think all the, uh, the, the brain analytics, the, 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 the chemistry in the brain, you, think, you would think that would increase if you were having a more realistic experience, but it's exactly the opposite. When you take psychedelics, your brain actually slows down and all your, all your signals, your connectivity, everything, your blood flow, it all slows down and becomes less, less than um, prior. So you're actually kind of like slowing that filter down and, and you're opening yourself up to a, a much broader spectrum of reality. And, and the same thing goes with near-death experiences, you know, like people, their brain they have almost absolutely no brain activity or none at all because they're, they're dead, but they're having this amazing realistic experience outside of the body where they're able to remember and, and communicate. And I, I just, I love it. Um, you know, I, I had a, uh, some people like mention like, you know, to me about like, well, it's okay that you know, you could be so interested in death and, you know, telling me things like that. But I, I don't really think I'm that interested in death. I think I'm, I'm more interested in, in life, you know, and, and kind of what are we here for? What, what is consciousness? You know, what, what happens when the physical body dies? Do you think it's strange that we don't have an answer to what is consciousness? No, because Mark Gover talks about this. The, the problem is, is that I mean, although they're doing amazing studies in like the University of Virginia with this stuff, but like a lot of mainstream science is trying to understand how matter produces consciousness. They're looking at it completely wrong. It matter doesn't produce consciousness. Consciousness produces matter. Consciousness was first. Consciousness creates it. And that's when we get into the metaphysical and like, you know, um, psychic or yeah, psychic experiences or remote viewing. Um, people being able to manipulate their future through thought alone. I, I mean, there's hundreds, thousands of cases of this happening. And I think that's the problem with science is they're trying to trying to look at matter as being the producer of consciousness when really it's it's the other way around. I um I can give you a couple answers on that. I can tell you about an experience. I talked to a guy who had a different UFO perspective where he thought that we were producing it from us. It was coming from inside of us that we were producing like this image and this, this creation out of our minds, like manifesting this thing. Um, and then I could tell you the example when I talked to someone who actually, a couple science researchers who study consciousness. If you ask my opinion on it, I would probably stand in more of the belief, like when we talk about the idea of like a spirit 
we talk about, I don't think it's in your head. I think it's in your, in, in your, like, well, it actually is in your head. It's not in your chest. People relate the spirit to inside of their body right here. I would say it's up here, mostly because I can take anything out of your body right now besides your brain, and you would still be you. But as soon as I touch your head, there's no idea or no significant chance that you might be the same Dylan before as an after. Um, that's very, very, that's where I would say that's where like your personality, that's where who you are is, is inside of your head, not your heart. I can give you a heart transplant. That's fine. Um, but when you talk about the idea of consciousness, I was talking to this guy, Michael Graciano, um, who has a whole lab on it. And he's like, yeah, we don't really know what it is. And I go, what about like, don't you, he thought it might be a relation to just your eyes, seeing your eyes. How come you know that someone is still conscious, someone is still alive when their eyes are just closed and they're sleeping, but when they're dead, it's the same thing. They're closed, but you know that, you know, they're no longer with us. Is it because you know that they're dead, but then there's people that can just tell there's something there with this eye connection thing where am I listening to you? Cause I'm looking at you, or am I looking at something else in your room? You can't tell that through a screen. There's these things that when I send a text to someone, are they going to see it the way that I'm saying it? or the way I'm typing it, or they're going to interpret it a different way, depending on what mood and what state that they're in. This is why miscommunication is such a big issue. I mean, to me, if you look at like, I've been, like I said, looking in the government for early stages of MK Ultra and studying a lot about the Kennedy assassination, and you're coming across a lot of things where they discovered that if you ever talk to anybody who's taken LSD or some mind altering drug, they talk about this experience that they cannot really put into words. It's just hard to describe what they have seen, but they try their best to describe it. But they talk about these experiences that are just so magnificent, overwhelming and all these things. It's not crazy to think that in the 50s, the government found a way to use that drug and turn it up to a point, not only to where it alters your reality, but shatters the shit out of it. And that's what we have, where we have these CIA and LSD experiments. I mean, Sidney Gottlieb was in charge of the MK Ultra project. And then Luis Joyon West was not only the same therapist for Jack Ruby, but also Charles Manson. And then there's a guy named Frank Olson. And Frank Olson was dosed LSD. He worked in the lab with these guys. He had the worst experience possible. Then he gets invited to an 11th floor building. Um, to go meet with these guys after he makes a statement a week before saying they're going to kill me because I know too much. He goes to this 11th floor building and falls out ruled as a suicide high on LSD drug overdose. So his son made a documentary on Netflix called Wormwood. And this Wormwood documentary was exploring that the government had killed his father. And there's a lot of this throughout history that's kind of weird. And Operation Midnight Climax was drugging random Johns, just people looking because they were trying to spark up anti-hippie movement because the hippies at this point were protesting Vietnam and anything you look at John Lennon before his death, he's protesting and writing songs about go not going into Vietnam. Then he's shot in front of his hotel. And the guy who happened to call that in happened to be the same person that was in the Bay of Pigs. So that's a weird coincidence. I'll give you that. Well, it is weird. And it's, it's a good reason for the government to kind of, um, put a bad label on psychedelics and to kind of because I, I i see what you're saying like with the hippie movement and things like that it's it's just the interesting um it's also interesting to me that it's i think it's still considered a class one um narcotic which uh is odd because i mean they're, they're finding a lot of medical benefits uh with with psychedelics 
Can I, um, I want to pull up this document just so I don't look like a lying sack of crap for what I mentioned a minute ago. Um, so this is on the CIA website. Uh, it's called analysis and assessment of the gateway process. Um, I'll send you this too, because I know, I think you'll probably find this really interesting. It's 29 pages. I, I don't, let me know when you can see what I see on my screen. Um, okay. I can see it. So this document I found trying to find the 1035, 960 about the Warren commission, but it's the U S operational group. It says you have tasked me to provide an assessment of the gateway experience in terms of its mechanics and ultimate practicality. As I set out to fulfill, um, that tasking it soon became clear that in order to assess the validity and practicality of the process, I need to do enough supporting research and analysis to fully understand how and why the process works. Frankly, sir, that proved to be an extremely involved and difficult business initially based on conversations with the physician who took the gateway training with me. I had a recourse to the biomedical models developed by, I'm not even going to try and pronounce that dude's name, Be Bestinov, I would say his name is maybe Bestinov, um, to obtain information concerning the physical aspects of the process. Then I found it necessary to delve into various sources for information concerning quantum mechanics in order to be able to describe the nature and function functioning of human consciousness. I had to be able to construct a scientifically valid and reasonably lucid model of how consciousness functions under the influence of the brain hemisphere synchronization technique employed by Gateway. So this is the fucking department of the army. Yeah. Hang on. Just, just let that soak in. This is our government. And you're, we're talking about like, I know I, sometimes I hear like a conversation about like the metaphysical or something like that. And I just go, it's like, it, it's so like, it's not conspiracy. It's just like people would just roll their eyes at it. It's like talking about UFOs, even though we know the government talks about UFOs, but this document goes into like, what is it? It goes into uh, well, let's see, scroll down a little bit. Introduction, hypnosis. It talks about hypnosis. It talks about uh, transcendental meditation. It shows a freaking thing of the brain trying to understand what parts of the cerebral lobes that it's affecting, um, diagrams. This is all on a government thing. And then it comes into here where, it was, yeah, figure C it explains the graphs that it's all showing to you. What is that one? Biofeedback. I mean, this is all stuff that people study significantly independent studies about, spend their whole entire career researching this specific aspect. And I've spoken to these people individually on my show about this, but finding a document that covers all the bases. I mean, lamp versus laser. I mean, just like I mean, they, they, I mean, they, they're responsible for um, supposedly remote viewing, spying on um, Russia during the Cold War. I mean, the government knows that some of this, you know, they understand some of these capabilities and, and they're, they're, uh, hold on. It's interesting, though. It is I gotta, interesting. I want to read this. It says energy entertainment as the body is turned into a coherent oscillator vibrating in harmony with the sur surrounding electrostatic medium, the specific exercises involved in the gateway tapes enjoy or enjoying the participant to build up the energy field surrounding his body presumably by using energy from the earth's field which the body is now in training because of its ability to resonate with it this puts the body's energy field into homogeneity with its surrounding environment and promotes movement of the seat of consciousness into the surrounding environment partially in response to the fact that the two electromagnetic medians are now a simple energy continuum thus the same process which moves the brain into focused coherence at steadily higher levels of frequency and amplitude so as to entrain or an analog I don't know bleh, frequencies in the universe for data collection also promotes enhancement of bodily energy levels to a point adequate to permit the subject to experience an out-of-body movement when he is ready to do so 
more will be said about this topic later. In addition, by resonating with the Earth's electromagnetic sphere, the human body creates a surprisingly powerful carrier wave to assist the mind in communication activity with other human minds similarly tuned. And then it goes into another thing called That's consciousness and ener energy and all that. Holograms, and what? And see, I, I think that, it, again, it goes back to, I still think it goes back to, you know, consciousness creates matter, bro. Like, example. Um, they have another thing called the consciousness matrix. It, it's fascinating. Um, and Why I mean, when you think of talking about it, though, like, because just, it's real, I'm bro. smelling it's patchouli real. oil and I'm like, fucking, then you see the it's government real, talking bro. about it and it just validates everything. And I just start looking. I mean, Men Who Stare at Goats was a movie about George Clooney. But then that movie was the remote viewing aspect of creating psychological warriors that our government did try and do at Project Hero. My mom went to the high school that was two miles away from where they kept the goats that they practiced on to try and stop their hearts. Now, that was a tip off from Russia. Russia, we had a spy that got false information thinking Russia was creating psychological warriors. So we decided to try it ourselves and we did it for a brief amount of time. But then once we started doing it, Russia was like, wait, they're creating psychological warriors. All right, we got to get on it. And they started creating psychological warriors. So the false information ended up becoming true, but we gave it up and they might've carried on with it. I mean, I see articles from China and Russia talking about making super soldiers and shit. I'm like, just give me mutant claws, please. I mean, I, I can buy into it. Uh, again, when you break matter down, 99.999% of it is empty space. Like it's an illusion, man. Like we're just energy. We're just, we're, I know it's, it's, it's kind of hard to grasp, but like that, that's just what it is. Like, it was just the way you said that you were like, it's an illusion, man. It is an illusion. And I, I think as, as humans, and as I think we've been kind of dumbed down or told that like, we're not incredible or that we're just, we're this material body that doesn't really have any power or abilities outside of you know ourself and I, I think I think that's that's wrong and I I mean I don't know how much we can do or what we can do but I, I feel like we're far greater than we really give ourselves credit for I think it's easier to scoff at it in society because we haven't really spent a whole lot of time focusing into it and a lot of it does get chalked up and I think it's only going to get I think it, it's going to get better and it's going to get worse. I think it gets worse when we keep relating it to religious practices, mostly because if we look at the number of people in our society who are religious, I think there's a large 47% that isn't anymore or just chooses to worship at home, mostly because of the stigma behind a lot of how these religious practices go, but that's just the world of technology. Religion was a, there was a point about it, not only the belief factor that you're going to go somewhere when you die, but it was this aspect of how people communicated. They would go to a church and they would sit around with people that had the same similar beliefs as them. And it was a way to communicate. It was about building a whole society, but now devices has really chalked us out of that. I mean, since we last talked, I've spoken to the best transhumanists. I've spoken to the best people about psychological warfare, uh, biological warfare, chemical warfare, all these different aspects where I'm, I'm just realizing there's a whole the way that we look at things in society, they change so vast. And depending on what direction we start going towards in the future, you're looking at a huge area where we might be thinking something like as rational as we're talking about now consciousness, because there's a government document. For some reason, that valid validates it for me. Um, but then you look at media. 
How was media always shown people who experiment with psychedelics, who experiment with all this? They show them as like a shaggy type, a goofy character that shouldn't be taken seriously, which is why society rejects it. But then, I mean, you could really push for the idea of the government's agenda now is to get everyone on pot, stoned out of their minds. I mean, that was a way the government talked about in hearings before. There are some people that voted to pass the law on marijuana and vote to pass the law on legalizing psychedelics because they wanted a doped up society. But then the way that it's heading in now, there's a lot of things like, you know what the term blockbusting is? No. Blockbusting is, it's, it sounds terrible. This was real. They used to come into your neighborhood. My grandpa used to tell me about this and they used to knock on your door and say, hey, African-American people are moving into your neighborhood. You better sell your house before your property value goes down. And people would sell their homes and the government would buy it. And that's why we have a lot of areas that are condensed specifically for urban populations and things of that sort. Um, it was a way to like keep monitor and do this type of stuff. Maybe segregate. Yeah. So there's a, there's a thing similar to blockbusting, but it was involving heroin. Whenever like a political thing would happen, they realized that they could introduce heroin and drugs through gangs into neighborhoods and get people to overdose on them. So more people would care about their son dying rather than looking into politics. And I know this because my guest, John Potash, wrote a documentary about this and explored this FBI war versus Tupac. And he kind of highlighted a lot of this stuff to me. Now, the government working with gangs to bring drugs and violence into neighborhoods, that's not super crazy. And it becomes more normal when you realize that's what they did in Cuba. The CIA, the FBI worked with mafia intelligence agencies. And we know that from documents. And you just get into this area aspect of like the things that you are bred to hate or the things that you're supposed to look at as bad and demonized end up becoming normal when you start realizing that there's a whole background history that you're not being told. And that's why I'm more 100% probably where I'm at in my life now is trying to look at the historical record and trying to make sure that what have I been demonized to hate that I've been brainwashed to think this way. And I think that's a lot of things that don't get taught in our culture because it just doesn't fit the narrative of how they want society to run. And I'm not saying like this grand order thing, but no, but you're absolutely right though, especially um, at least from my experience with psychedelics, I hate to keep bringing it back, but that's, that's kind of, you know, my experience is like, you know, you had mentioned that, you know, it kind of throws off the order and you're right. Cause I think people who have had them kind of experiences, they're kind of, you kind of step out of the matrix or out of the, the, the idea that, you know, you don't give a shit about what the government says or or what kind of rules or what kind of things they're telling you to do. You can kind of see through a lot of the bullshit, I guess is what I'm trying to say. And you don't really get on board with everything. Um, and you're kind of okay with, you just understand that there's more than just this material body that you're living in. And, and, you know, you can kind of accept things for the way they are, but at the same time, it, a lot of shit doesn't phase you like it would, you know, like, for example, um, a scare, if there was some kind of pandemic that broke out, and, you know, they were pushing to take some kind of strange vaccination or something like that. I'm just saying, in theory, I'm not saying that really happened. I'm just saying if it was to happen, I think, you know, you where would, I stand on the, the COVID shit. <laughs> you would be like, I don't give a shit. Like, I don't care. You're, you're, it's bullshit. It's, it's not, I don't, I'm not, I'm not buying into your, your games. I, um, and I think I think with that, with if you have a population with a mindset like that, though, they're much harder to control. I'll let you use my quote um, that I created. I've said it a couple of times in the show. Um, someone's going to steal it and patent it because it's such a damn good quote. And here's what it is when I say it. 
I think you're taught that your your history is like Superman, but in reality, Superman smokes cigarettes and he's a bit of a drinker. And I think as people, I don't look at like a lot of people like hop on this woke train. If we need to tear up our history books, I mean, we're tearing down statues at one point. I don't think that's bad, but I get into this aspect of when they don't tell you the real history because they know how you're going to react. And when you realize that things have to be done and this idea of like, I'm, I pissed off at this answer more than anybody, especially trying to dive into the JFK topic. You run across the thing, threat to national security, fuck off. Like that is what I don't like is that first of all, they don't trust you to take the training wheels off to tell you the real information, but then they also don't trust you because of the way that we react to things you have to understand is that everything I could tell you about our government being horrible people, drugging people, and you try and rationalize it. Other countries do the same shit and they're more open about it. We know about the people bring up the Nazis as the biggest example of the worst group in history. Unit 731 was a thousand times worse than them. Unit 731 was a group in Japan that used to split people in half using vivisections where they cut you from the bottom up while you were alive and then hit a stopwatch and see how long until you bled out. And they would do it over and over again. I've read the journals from the people who were in those camps who talked about people's heads and body parts in jars around the camp. They didn't in the diary books, they refer a word called logs. Logs were people. And they would talk about people were going to these things. These logs were going to these camps and tents, and they would never be seen from again. Unit 731 was so much worse. They weaponized the bubonic plague. Like you get into this aspect of like, when you start realizing every government just fucking sucks. And the reason why they suck is this paranoia angle of this person's got the gun to the back of my head. So I better have the gun to the back of somebody else's head. You start, okay, I can get with you on some of the things that you do that are pretty, pretty horrible, but I think you need to know about it, not to be scared, but just to be aware, you need to know your historical record on some things. And I ended up ranting to forget my major point in all this. Well, no, that's a that's a good point, though, about the government, you know, maybe not maybe giving you a, a different view of history or a false kind of history to try to maybe protect for what whatever the agenda is or paranoia that they have. But you raise a good point, And there's a a film crew, a documentary film crew that I've I've interviewed a couple of times, and I can't really go into details about their new movie that's getting ready to come out. They're getting ready to come back on my show, but they have this new documentary where they interview some guys from the CIA. They interview uh, a counterintelligence guy from the United States Air Force, and they talk about some mind blowing shit when it comes to aliens and UFOs that they've they've experienced and seen within the government and and there's some things that are i i can't mention them on air right now i wish i could because but the, the film isn't out until i think the middle of october but man i'm telling you man they're, they're they know a lot more especially when it comes to stuff like that that they're not sharing and uh some mind-blowing shit man and i i just to me the guys came across truthful i mean these, this guy was a cia for like 30 years he's not he's not he's not bullshitting he's not making this shit up you know the, the counterintelligence air force guy same thing like i mean it's it's all makes you wonder man why why can't we just all be truthful and open well um i, I mean i could show you the documents on the cia so <laughs> so diving into the, the the kennedy topic i um i spent a lot of time probably over the past month or so, just diving through documents 
and not only, and you get bored at times. I mean, I got so bored after looking through just countless redacted articles where I just went onto the FBI website. I was like, what else you got on here? And I found a thing on Walt Disney. I've mentioned this before on my show, but it'll be new to your viewers. There is a 700 page thing on Walt Disney. So yeah, I read all 700 pages. It was now, so- didn't, what? didn't they buy land for him or something? They didn't talk about that, but what they did talk about was the first letter starts off really, really simple. And it's just, hey, we're going to um, incorporate the FBI into some Mickey Mouse cartoons so the kids can really want to be FBI agents when they grow up. That's fine. I could not give two shits about that. But what I did start getting very, very worried about was 600 pages in when the relationship evolved over a year, two years or three years where they had Walt Disney that was ratting out his employees who were striking up labor unions and calling them communists and having the FBI interrogate them and try and deport them and invade their home and their privacy. Then there's J. Edgar Hoover's invasion into Hollywood, where there's files on the FBI website about Frank Sinatra. There's files on all these people investigating them for communism, becoming their friends with secret agents in, the, in, in Hollywood. And then I reached out to guests to talk about people's, uh, was it Jonestown, that horrible thing that happened where 900 people died with the kool-aid yeah yeah it's jonestown so when i got a response back from the people i ended up stopping talking to them because they got so annoying to me um because they kept bouncing me around from person to person like talk to this person talk to this person well that fucking person just told me to talk to you and now you're telling me to talk to that person just talk to me let me know but they would ask me the question do you believe the official story and i said what do you mean and these people survived jonestown they had family members that died so the, it's a very, very sensitive subject. But what happened was, if you look at when I did look at the website, the FBI, the investigation into Jonestown, which is funny, the, tr the lawyer for Oswald, who allegedly killed the president, the guy, Mark Lane, was in Jonestown. And that's weird. Um, but it's like these weird connections that keep coming all over the place. But um, what I looked through their files, and I listened to a couple of the tapes that they had on the guy who was doing the main sermon there, who eventually got all these people to you know, die um, and drink the Kool-Aid and all that. But he was doing these sermons talking about like group sex and all this type of stuff. That was fun. Um, but then he would talk about the government is watching me and they're trying to infiltrate our camp. And what the FBI did do is that they did have undercover agents that were keeping tabs on them. So his fueled idea of paranoia and conspiracy was real. He was being watched and infiltrated and it caused him to do these drastic actions. And that's what the people who were involved in these things try and talk about. Now, like I said, that's coming from me just doing research from the surface documents. I never spoke to these people. So I would have to, besides an email. So I never had them on my show to explain their side of things and hopefully correct my perspective if I'm wrong. But I think when you start, like, like I said, diving into the real history on things, you start having this traumatic thing where you start realizing that you have to also keep in the perspective of what these people were thinking at, at the time it was happening. A lot of these people see people as dangers and their idea of a danger, Castro, for instance, give them poison cigars, give them explosive cigars. I have the documents to show you that they delivered all of those things. I mean, they had a lot of assassination attempts. I think we only know about like 10, but there's a speculated like 600. And there's a really popular interview that you should look up. It's um, William Harvey. He made a, uh, a, uh, a videotape for his son on his deathbed. And a lot of these CIA guys, they don't talk about what they did or they'll get in prison. But this guy made a deathbed confession. And he talked about he was one of the burglars at Watergate that was tried to go in there and steal these files. And he talked about, oh, yeah, we had ideas of slathering LSD on a driver's steering wheel, hoping that he would soak it up through his skin and drive into traffic. 
whether they did it or not, that that's your CIA agents talking about that. So that just shows you the perspective of what they're speculating on as ideas. Like, that's what I try and tell you is like a lot of this shit's very baffling and it can cause you to be so pissed off. But you got to understand is like, it's not just us. It's every single person. And it's not even recent history. Look at the Egyptians. The Egyptians never wrote down a single fat person because they consider that a sign of weakness. You think there weren't people that had a genetic disorder where they were overweight? They all weren't starving. The royalty lived wealthy and lived with bountiful food. Then you get into the aspect of when they're examining all these people's dead bodies, their sarcophaguses, whatever you want to call them. They're finding cocaine in their dreads. They're finding drugs and psychedelics in their chalices and their cups. And you realize they never wrote down the aspect of them partying. They never wrote down the aspect of our society. And when I say you don't teach the real history of things, we're, we're lost in our historical roots. We don't know when I'm looking through history, there's a, it seems like it skips time periods when you're learning about history. It seems like it skips very, very, no, there were events happening every single day, but what they didn't talk about was some of the major benefactors in our ancient history roots, our psychedelics, our religious things, where religious comes, our religion actually comes into the subject. There's the introduction of psychedelics and the use of psychedelics in religion, but they don't teach you that because it's like letting you know Santa Claus is your parents. Man, that gets into a whole nother thing for me. Um, you know, the, the, I know you've heard of like the, the thought of potential giants existing. Um, Please just, let's talk about that. E even, even just, okay. Even just like history itself, like you're talking about, I think um, it's perhaps older than they give it credit for. Right. Like everything like Egypt, um, just, humans civilization in general i think perhaps has been here longer than than they they say i i, I don't know i'm just throwing out what other people will say yeah. I, I don't personally do a, know do you have a grasshopper in your room yeah i i, I probably got a cricket or something Set it on fire. I, I, I live in the woods i live in the woods man um but no, no i think like uh hopefully um, this is like a good for your listeners i know your listeners and my listeners are probably used to me ranting and you know we're going all over the place here and it's not more specific, but I hope your listeners enjoy that aspect. I just, I look at this like I mean, giants. That was a topic I wanted to learn more about. They found large bones, if I'm not mistaken, of people, whether they're superhuman or just abnormalities like Shaq in our society. Supposedly, the Smithsonian has some of that stuff, but I, you know, again, I don't know. The Smithsonian, I think they were in trouble. It was a scandal. They covered up a lot of information about stuff. And it's weird. They investigate some things where I'm like, is that the real answer to your investigation? Or are you just hiding something? I mean, who was it? They found out a Hobby Lobby, the fucking Rosetta Stone or whatever that tablet was. The Tablet of Gilgamesh is what they found at a Rosetta Stone valued at $500 million. And you realize that Hobby Lobby, they, they're investigating a bunch of them now. Because what these guys do who curate at a Hobby Lobby is that they have deep connections to trading, like art pieces and things to get into their store. And one of these guys ended up getting a connection with the black market in um, art and found the tablet of Gilgamesh sitting in a fucking Hobby Lobby that's now in a museum somewhere because they were like, holy shit, it's a tablet of Gilgamesh. I'm like, wait a minute, Lord of the Rings is real. And you realize Lord of the Rings is just a series where a guy in another country was writing down these fantasy stories and he was getting late night calls from stoners that were reading his books. And he was like, stop fucking calling me and hanging up. And then it produced a whole series that I think they just made another one. I've never seen one. 
So what do you think the answer is, um, if there is one? I mean, do you think humans, humanity or our society as we know it right now will ever kind of change and try to, to do right by each other? Because I mean, I think it, overall, if you look at it as a whole, I think it's negative for the, the whole, all of us to, to be misinformed, to not understand history completely. Do you, do you see that ever changing or do you always think it's going to be this conspiracy cover up, mix shit up, confuse people? Do you think that we would accept the change? How many people are stuck in their routines and like how society goes today? Do you think that they would be happy? Like, would I be happy if they said JFK thing was a conspiracy? And they well, I I don't know if they would accept the change, and I don't think that matters as much as just knowing the real truth. I think is what's important for everybody because I think that's that's how we learn. We learn from history and like what really happened and kind of maybe what not to do in the future. I think you should teach the real history. But I also think you should teach people how to embrace how dark it might be. Like, remember when George Washington's teeth were found out not to be cherry wood, they were made of slave teeth and people just lost their fucking minds. Like, I think people were like, I know some people wrote a fucking blog about it, I bet you. But there were people that just were like, what? My life is a lie. And I'm like, well, no shit, because that's better for the book. I agree on that. But I also think like we shouldn't have that reaction to that. Like, imagine if they said everything that they knew about consciousness, everything that they said was like fantasy or these ideas of like, that's what hippies think. Imagine if they came out saying that was all wrong of them to do. And now they're doing what they're doing now secretly, which is looking into the subject of consciousness and of manifesting. Imagine if they told you you could astral project. And the fact that we have been so ingrained in our society to deny the possibility of it, that these people that you talk, you see do videos and do psychic readings might actually have some reasonable things about them. There might be some aspects. I mean, 5G, when that was big, people were worried about getting fucking mind powers. I was excited. I was standing under one of those tree things that looked like a telephone tower. And I was like, give it to me. And I had a guy on my show talk about it. And he was not into the conspiracy aspect of stuff. He built those towers that, you know, and he was like, no, there's none of that. And you just get into this part of like, I don't want to take the fantasy away. I don't want to take the belief and the mysticism and the wonderment away. But I also don't like the idea that to shun a conversation and try and find your best route to deny this person's ideas or perspective on it. I really just, I can't get with that. I, I, I think we all need to have conversations about it. I do too. And I think, you know, I, th- I just think it's important for humans is to just understand things you know to understand the the truth of things whether it's like we talk about whether you can astral project or not if you can you can like if if they figured it out let's talk about it let's you know but have you tried no i've heard of people doing it though and um i mean the government's you know very highly interested in it so i mean i'm not so skeptical as i once was to to think that 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 can't happen what is your understanding of the perception of time we mentioned that before so i wanted to call it back to that time that that is a strange strange thing i think time only exists in the physical and it exists in you know our within our universe it's kind of a, a construct or a dimension that i guess maybe holds things together and allows people to um, perceive 
moving in a direction, um, you know, you know, moving forward throughout your life, because I don't know, a lot of people talk about time in a way that's like that it really doesn't exist, that everything's happening now, instantaneously, always, everything that's ever happened is happening and always will. And I, I don't know how much of that is true. I just I'm just saying that I think I think time exists for us as a conscious being in the physical to experience a flow, a beginning and an end in a middle. When you look down, I thought you, I thought you crushed Jiminy Cricket because I heard him stop. No, I don't know where Jiminy Cricket is. He's <laughs> around here somewhere, but I, I was, that was, that was the first thing my uh, brain thought of, but I've spoken to people who study temporal experience, one who relates it to incarceration, how people bide their time, um, in, in incarceration when time is literally set up in prisons to go slow. It's the whole point of solitary confinement is you go mad from the insanity of it. Um, but then I've spoken to other people who've focused the more video game angle of the temporal experience. And the way that I've been described to it is that the way that you experience time, everyone experiences time differently. We all go by the same time clock, but the way that your brain chooses to perceive the aspect of time moving depends on what you're valuing and what you're paying more attention to. It also depends on your speed, right? And your location to the ground, gravity. Uh, more like when it comes to your speed, I would say ADHD, like me, time can move very, very quick, or it could feel like nails on a chalkboard hours long when I'm paying attention to the clock. And it's this weird thing, like I'm always ramped up. It seems like I have like 10 cups of coffee, but it's because my brain is constantly thinking about a million different things, like a long wave. And I've talked to people about the ADHD aspect of things. Um, it messes with the temporal experience, but also the way that our society is now moving forward with more digital devices, things that consume our attention spans. The reason why our attention spans are not only decreasing on the length of how long they can last with all the information that we have out and so many things to do at once, it's because you're, you're more, you're taking on more. So your body learns to adjust to the more that you take on. So when you get into aspects of your life where there's nothing, one thing or a single thing, like having a conversation is the hardest thing to do when you're not physically engrossed into it, your phone could go off. You want to touch your phone, but for me and you, it's just be in this experience and let's talk it. And it's why it's can be all over the place because it's better for us to focus on a million things and still be attuned to it rather than focus on one thing and feel like you're drifting off at certain points. And it's, it's just a weird thing. Like I love the growth of how like in, people can get mad. Like, Oh, they said 10 years ago, that was wrong. And now we got new information. And I'm like, I only get mad when we dismiss something for so long. Like during the pandemic was the biggest fucking thing. You label something as one thing, horse paste, whatever you want to call it. And now you're using it. Like, I don't like that. We we're, we're hurting our, we're shooting ourselves in the foot. When you do that, you gotta open up the door to flat earth. I don't give a shit. I don't believe we landed on the moon when we said we did, but Hey, that's my one thing. And um, we didn't, we didn't land on the moon. I, I all right. Not, not Thank 1969. I, I don't think so either. Um, I said that in a space panel I had and they all fucking laughed at me. They're all good friends of mine, but I told them like, that's my one thing. You know, I'm not going to fight a fight on it, but I think there's more evidence to say that it was a morale boost when we said we did. And if you look at all the aspects of that society of what was going on during that space race, you had to, I mean, they said if the Apollo rocket blew up, like was a failed launch and blew up with those people inside of it, they had plans to blame it on Cuba. 
and say it was the it was the Cubans that blew it up. That's a real thing. That's a document I could show you. And it's just like, good God, it's like everything. Like use the I guess use the best out of a bad situation is where that comes from. But they had many motives to make sure that this person, and that's why I said you got to look into what these events are now because when you're told that communism is bad, and I'm not a communist supporter, I'm a patriot at heart, but. We know propaganda is a powerful fucking tool. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. And that that's a that's an interesting point you mentioned about you know them blaming Cuba for that. It's almost as if you know the government's designed in a way that you know what's the word I'm looking for a catastrophe or something that's you know perhaps very bad on society, you know, some kind of thing like, like kind of like 9-11, you know, like you're going to find a scapegoat. You're going to find a reason to, to blame it on something, whether, whether that's, you know, not the reason or not just to get, to kind of get ulterior motives, you know, to, to move forth with a different kind of an agenda. It's just, it's, it's fucked up, man. Why did we send Osama bin Laden out to sea to die? And we said it was because it was part of his religious thing of being sent out to sea. You're telling me a guy was caused for the destruction of a thing in our history that will never be forgotten, and you give him his right to religious death? Like, that's the weird thing is, like, there's things like that that I just want people to question. And then you, when you look into, like, and that's where people say, oh, it gets into the conspiracy. That term was created by the CIA. That is a known fact. They could, yeah. if you look it up in the dictionary, anybody out there, it started with JFK, didn't it? That's the right around the time. That was the document I told you about the 1035 document. Yeah. Um, that's what that was the con label conspiracy theory to people against the Warren commission. That was the document that started the whole train of conspiracies. But if you, anybody listening right now, look up, pause your computer, look up the dictionary definition of conspiracy. It's just two or more people plotting to do something. I mean, that's a real thing, and it happens all the time. That's why when someone goes to trial, what they said is conspiracy to commit violence or conspiracy to commit murder. That's real legal language. I mean, and that's what you look at the Warren Commission. Everybody, even the assistant staff, they're all lawyers. They drafted the document to be confusing, and they, they weren't lying. I mean, they were lying, but they printed a lot of stuff. I mean, there's... I think in the archives, there's Jack Ruby's mother's dentist dental records. And you're like, why the fuck are you getting the guy who killed Oswald? Why is a mafia guy killing Oswald? And it's just like, there's so much stuff in there where it's like, you were thorough, but you were thorough in every aspect. Like if you asked me a question and I just completely danced around your question, I probably done that already in the show. Um, but I would just dance around it and answer everything else and then go back to you. And you'd be like, well, you didn't really answer my question. You're just kind of like, you answered a bunch of different things, but they're good to know, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> That's typical Robbie, man. <laughs> That's why I call the show out of the blank. Hell yeah. Uh, it's good stuff, man. You never know what you're going to get into. Uh, it's interesting. Um, I do have to talk to you about the aliens off air, though, about what a little bit of what I found in this documentary and i want you to check out this documentary when it releases i'm just kind of mentioning that so we don't forget i do want to mention some do things you think that they're I, real um they are all right they're de they're, they're definitely real i've i i've never 
I, I would have four steps of what I would consider it to be. I think I've talked to someone who investigates Area 51. He actually lives pretty close to the base. He actually listens into their radio frequencies. I'll get him on your show if you want. His name's Jorg. He's a great guy. Um, but he listens to their radio frequencies. He found a way to crack their codes. Um, there's like things like pull out flight card A, flight card B, flight card C, and written on these flight cards are descriptions of what aerial maneuvers you're going to be doing. He straight up told me Area 51 doesn't have any alien shit there. What it is, though, is high tech government stuff. And I've always said that from the very beginning. I mean, I've spoken with Avi Loeb. I've spoken with so many people that dived into the Nick Pope from Ancient Aliens was on my damn show. I mean, I've told him I've told all of them. I think it's government tech top one. I would knock it down to number two with weather phenomena. I think lightning ball and all that. I think there's I've spoken to people about plasma uh, just in the air and our atmosphere. That's a possibility. One thing I didn't know is I talked to an academic who talked about they have these projections where they can actually project things on air without a projection screen. And it creates like like holograms in a sense. Um, it's just being able to manipulate light particles, be able to do that right in front of you rather than having a board screen. Now, from the Area 51 discussion that I had about these high tech government things, they talked about bringing these little laser things onto a jet. So you could fly near where people are training or where a, a ship is in the water, and you could project these things like a tic-tac on the clouds. And it would look like, it, even if it's a clear day, they can project it like a hologram in the air. They have the, the government has like 20 years past what we have tech-wise. You know, and I gave that a thought too with the tic-tacs that perhaps it's just our government like experimenting on our own pilots and stuff like that to kind of see what, you know, they, they think, or, you know, how they can maneuver against it. It's interesting. And I, I don't know what it is. And perhaps it is just government tech. Or it's I mean, aliens. Buzz Aldrin, Buzz Aldrin is the most famous guy in this. He stated there was water on the moon and an obelisk on Mars. And God damn it, if they didn't find a water on the moon. And I think we found an obelisk on Mars. So whatever that man says, I hope NASA's watching his ass and be like, hey, shut your mouth, you son of a, <laughs> don't you dare say a damn word. I mean, they had NASA. If you look at their, their blemishes in history, who was that one lady? Um, Kuzak. Oh God, I'm going to blank on her last name. She drove 900 miles wearing a diaper. She worked, she was a NASA astronaut just to attack her ex-boyfriend's, um, person that she was he was cheating on her with she drove 900 miles so she didn't have to stop over and use the bathroom uh lisa nowak is her last name they made a movie about her and i've never heard of the movie but it has john han john ham in it and natalie portman so they got top actors and actresses in it but you haven't heard of it because the government ain't gonna let you advertise that type of shit and it's like, damn it, I want to watch a movie of a lady wearing a diaper to go attack her cheating boyfriend's lover or whoever. That's that's intense. And then we saw that video recently of that guy who worked for NASA who pulled out a gun and shot his neighbor. Like that was on, I think, TV like six months ago, seven months ago. So it's like NASA keeps that shit on the wraps. They're like, hang on a second. We can't let people know that everybody's crazy. And the main director is Bill Nelson. He comes on the TV and says, we're going to look for our origins on Venus. And I'm like, the fuck did he just say somebody somebody's a route in or wrap in their uh nasa people good god it's interesting that you say that i've heard theories of that too with people talking about how perhaps um we actually came from somewhere other than earth which is it's that's bizarre to me it's an odd odd thought but it's interesting it's an interesting 
theory and concept to think you gotta, about. You got to look at my guest lineup on my show, and then I'll send you whoever you want to talk to. I think I tried. I sent you a couple people before, but my buddy who was on recently, Stephen Kane, he studies exoplanets, but he specifically studies Mars and Venus. And we go into deep. Whoa. What does he say about Mars? Mars is an interesting place. Well, it would be our place to go and try and colonize first. Um, if we were going to do it, Venus is just uninhabitable. You couldn't, the surface temperature, I think is like 900 something degrees. It looks like eight nuclear bombs went off on it and it, we just wouldn't be able to even survive the atmosphere and trying to reverse that. It would take so long with the technology we have to even attempt to do anything. I think the farthest discussion I got into was, um, the topic of asteroid mining with someone who studies impact craters of asteroids and maybe crashing an asteroid into a planet might mess up its regular surface, not only temperature. I mean, that's how the ice age happened. People think like the earth has, the earth does have these natural resets, but they think that also with an impact of a meteor that happened and depending on if you believe the younger driest impact hypothesis that it was multiple meteors not just one um it brought ice as well too so it was like this fire then ice and it was like this i, I don't know this whole specifics on it but um if you could manipulate or it shot up enough dust and stuff into the atmosphere right up into the wind stream and everything to, to maybe keep the sun from penetrating the clouds for a length of time perhaps i i don't know i don't know either i just it's interesting i think every comet like when you see a uh, comet floating in uh, space or going by our planet there's this weird like cool little tail that it has like an astral tail that's ice coming off the asteroid so these things have a, i mean they're they they're able to know the price of these asteroids billion dollar asteroids that are up in space i mean that gets into a dangerous territory because what they're talking about is the material that's in the asteroid now who is claimed to have that i mean we have this i had a space lawyer on my show we have a space treaty i think with like a space lawyer yeah we have a, those it's a cool job yeah i didn't know either his name's franz vonderdunk i can ask him if he wants to do your show too he's a good guy um but he studies um space law and there are a lot of laws set in place since the treaty the space treaty i think 1972 or maybe earlier than that of who gets what what happens here and it's this idea of like what the venus project is which is that the earth would be this perfect place if everyone could just agree to not attack each other and it has to reach this overall utopian idea before we could even go out into space which i agree with i think we're we're already what china's already pulling materials out of the moon basically like they have a bases on the moon that a lot of people don't even know about and it's just like that's the not that we like are like constantly traveling up there but people are finding ways to get materials out already we don't have a base or anything that we know of but i think when you look at that aspect of stuff who claims the goddamn right to the planets when you land on it who claims the materials when you get it that's a that's a tough question and nobody who's not that person is not going to like the answer you got india that's trying hasn't even gotten into space yet and everyone else is already a thousand times ahead. So now you're making laws about space before other people even get a chance to have a say in it. See, that's that's what bothers me about humans is that, you know, we want to make everything our own or, or put it, you know, this is mine and that's yours. Why can't it just be what it is, a planet out in space? And it's for everybody to, you know, study and view and why do, why do we got to own things like why why <laughs> i just it's so stupid man do you do you think that we shouldn't own things i think you should i think it's that right to feel like you uh, you do own something but i just draw the line at what are we talking about like owning a coca-cola 
is one thing. But then if you're owning like people, that's not necessarily something I agree with at all. Um, and I think you got to land into this aspect of we own things, they're entitled to us, or there are rights, or they're whatever this. I mean, we own rights, right? That's us. We own those humans. We own rights. But then people can take those away from you as well, too. I mean, I think owning things is cool. I just, I mean, I understand the concept of, you know, obviously land ownership and stuff like that. But I, I, I kind of, I don't know. I think the Native Americans kind of had it right, bro. Like you, you can't, you don't really you can't really own the planet. You know, it's, it's its own thing. It's its own, you share a space with it, you know, and you, it it helps you to survive, but at the same time, I don't know, but I, I mean, I understand, I understand the aspects. I mean, it would be a a hot mess if, if uh, civilization didn't have it set up so that, you know, this is your property. This is my property. It could, I could see it getting kind of sideways real quick, but it's just, it's just interesting that uh, people were wanting to make claims and rights to planets that we're not even on yet. Yeah. I mean, it's probably going to be more of a billionaire's territory. Why does Elon Musk have the right to build a hotel on Mars? Why did, why does, that's the thing about, like, I noticed with academic funding is that academic funding, people that were hiring them to do their research. And you realize, like, I, I messaged you Elizabeth Weiss's profile to talk to her about um, her thing with archaeology. I mean, she got attacked by the school and everything and banned because of, like, she took a picture with a Native American skull, like, happy to be back in the lab. And people just attack her saying, how dare you? You know, and it's like this whole woke train type thing. But Peter Bogosian actually wrote a paper on it. He called it the conceptual penis project. This thing is fucking nuts, dude. I could read you it if you want, but I think I know a lot of it offhand. Um, he submitted an academic paper and I had his friend, Michael Shermer on, who's like that big guy out there, um, scientist guy. But Michael, uh, Peter Bogosian wrote this paper to his academic institution to show how they're not even reading the papers anymore. They're just coming across like societal constructs and they're accepting it on the basis of like, ethnicity, gender, all these things. And in this thing, he called it the conceptual penis project where a woman went to a dog park every day for seven hours a day um, for like, I think a year or so and watched the ratio of male dogs humping male dogs to male dogs humping female dogs. And at the end of his conclusion of his essay, he said that inherently all dogs are gay because there was a more ratio of male dogs humping male dogs than male dogs humping female dogs. The paper, they accepted the paper in the institution. Now, they didn't, he said, this is all a lie. I did not do this. What would have to happen for this to be real is that you're not factoring in rain days. You're not factoring the number of dogs that go into that dog park. You're not factoring all these equations that need to be taken account. But what they did is they saw words like gay. They saw words like this and that. And even he included that a man, a man sitting with his legs wide open is akin to raping the air around him. And that the male penis as a construct is actually a aggravator for climate change. I swear to God, this is in the paper. You can, anybody can look this up. It's called the conceptual penis project by Peter. Bogosian. That is nuts. They accepted that though. That's your academic as, school as academic. Yeah. Yeah. That's they're teaching our kids. They're teaching our generation of people. And that's the issue now where like people say attacking science, it started before the pandemic. It was this idea that, we can't do certain research or we can't do things. I mean, they destroyed Elizabeth Weiss's labs, all of her works based on that photo of the skull. 
and what they did was they said, we don't own the rights to these Native Americans things. So all the research we've already have done on it, instead of just giving you back your stuff and what they should do is sure, give it back their stuff. They're like, no, we're going to destroy what we have on it, all the work we've done on it, and then give you back your stuff. So it's like, well, why don't you just keep the research you did? Even when we, ha- we captured the Nazis, we used their research. We didn't just start from scratch. They already did the work. Yeah, we used their research and we used their scientists. Operation Paperclip. We built our space program with some of those Nazis. So it's like, I don't know. Like, I mean, you're shooting yourself in the foot. You already did the bad deed. And in the society we live in, it's better to ask for forgiveness than permission. Like, I don't know. Maybe I'm, like I said, my takes on some things are pretty controversial for some people, but I just like, you can look into the government drugging people. I don't look at it like uh, it is horrible, but I just also go like, what research did we get out of it? This is a fascinating historical thing I'm learning about now. MK Ultra was a conspiracy for the longest time. They destroyed all their damn documents. And then some person out there listening is going to be like, oh, that's what they say that so conspiratorials don't have to show their work. Well, we do know it actually exists now. And the only documents we have on it are transcripts that were sitting in a warehouse. Because the best part about our government is for every document that they have, they have three others. So it's like trying to destroy all the documents is almost impossible because if I write a letter to you, I have to make a copy of that letter. Then you make a copy of that letter and then you write me back. So then that letter gets a copy and then I get a copy. So then eventually you have all these freaking memos of, hey, what are you doing after lunch? It's like, well, I don't know. And that's, and that's very true. And I think a lot of that, um, you know, even like with the thing with Kennedy, um, you know, they call it conspiracy theories, but. I think in time, we a lot of people uncover more information and it becomes more like common knowledge and it's not so much conspiracy anymore. There's so much mounting evidence towards what originally was labeled as a conspiracy theory. Do you accept knowing something that you knew for the longest time to be wrong? Are you happy if your opinion changes? And if yes, if but if that's the case, when did that start? That didn't start when you took um, psychedelics, did it? No, it was before that. Um, I've always been a very open-minded person. Psychedelics definitely helped with that. But um, it's just, I think, like, again, I'm, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm a truth guy. I want to know the facts. I want to know the truth. If that means, like, it's going to change my whole paradigm on how I think, which it has. Like, this whole consciousness thing and this whole, we're not living inside a material body and we've got this afterlife. I never believed in any of that stuff. Um, my whole my whole thought process, my whole paradigm has shifted to this whole other thing, man, because of, just because of my my podcast and just interviewing all these different people, listening to other podcasts, listen to these people that have these near death experiences, talking to psychic mediums, um, all this stuff and the government um, that that whole thing shifted my paradigm. I used to think that the government was like kind of like a a father figure you know they look after their people and you know that the united states was oh you know righteous and true and you know the more you learn about it you're like man we are we are fucked up government we are we are twisted and um i don't know man it's shameful so yeah anyway to answer your question that was kind of a long-winded answer but yeah i'm always willing to shift my my thoughts or my focus if there's evidence that points towards something that's going to change my beliefs and it's like so true and it hits home. I'm going to go with that. I, um, I want to share this cause I should have talked about it when I shared it the first time. Um, but there's two things I wanted, I just 
I came across. I think it's important because we've, we obviously the discussion has been a lot about consciousness, but I want to go into this. Um, so the consciousness matrix, the universe is composed of, this is the same government document I showed you earlier, of interacting energy fields, some at rest and in motion. It is in and of itself one gigantic hologram of unbelievable complexity. According to the theories of Carl Pribham, a neuroscientist at Stanford University, and David Bohm, a physicist at the University of London, the human mind is also a hologram which attunes itself to the universal hologram by the medium of energy exchange, thereby deducing meaning and achieving the state which we call consciousness. With respect to states of expanded or altered consciousness, such as gateway uses, the process operates in the following way. An energy at, or as energy passes through various aspects of the universal hologram and is perceived by the electrostatic fields which compromise or comprise the human mind, the holographic images begin are uh, being conveyed are protected upon those electrostatic fields of the mind and are perceived or understood to the extent that the electrostatic field is operating at a frequency and a amplitude that can harmonize with and therefore read the energy carrier wave pattern passing through it changes in the frequency and amplitude of the electrostatic field which compromise the human mind determine the configuration and hence the character of the holographic energy matrix which the mind projects to intercept meaning directly from the holographic transmission of the universe then to make sense of what the holographic image transmissions of the universe or i, I just reread a line i'm sorry see how difficult it is to read and then be able to get all your words correctly good god then that's that Good, good. I will say, then to make sense of what the holographic image is saying to it, the mind proceeds to compare the image just received with itself. Specifically, it does this by comparing the image received with that part of its own hologram, which constitutes memory by registering differences in uh, geometric form and in energy frequency. The consciousness perceives, see exhibit two, next page, as psychologist Keith Floyd puts it, contrary to what everyone knows is so. It may not be the brain that produces consciousness, but rather consciousness that creates the appearance of the brain. And then it shows this cool little diagram of a person's head in a box and says consciousness energy grid. There you go. That's exactly what I was saying um, at the start of the show. That I validated uh, you. Yes, thank you. And I mean, it's it's clear from what the government's reporting that we live in a holographic universe and that none of this none of this shit's real. The only well, thing that's real is consciousness. One more. We got time, space, dimension. Up to this point, our discussion of the gateway process, I, I'm going to do an accent, has been relatively simple and easy to follow. Now the fun begins. Oh, God. Gateway involves more than just perception of those aspects of the universal hologram, which can be accessed in the dimension of time space as we know it. To explain how and why human consciousness can be brought to transcend the limitations of time space is the next task, which must be addressed. To do this, we must first appreciate that time and space are in order to understand how the dimension that they constitute can be transcended. Physicists define time as a measurement of energy and force in motion. In other words, it is a measurement of change. However, in order for energy to be in motion, it must first be limited in some way within the confines of some sort of vibratory pattern so that its confinement gives it the capacity for some sort of vibratory, or so the capacity for being contained at a specific location, which is distinguishable from other locations. Energy, which is not confined, is force without limit, without dimension, without the limits of form. It is infinitely cannot move because there is nothing beyond infinity and therefore outside of the dimension of time it is nothing but it is also i'm freaking this document's damn sideways i can't fucking read all i'm not gonna read all that holy crap it's a lot yeah i was saying it was also beyond space um which is fascinating 
they go into subatomic particles they're, and they're everything. talking about energy not being constrained to um the physical it's, there, there's your out-of-body experience this is fascinating this this document is so i can send it to you if you want yeah please do okay it's, it's please do it's crazy what you find on the internet at one o'clock in the morning and then it's even better when it's on the government archives like half the half the time i'm on the government archives and i'm looking through i'm like geez they got a file on walt disney it's like two o'clock in the morning i'm like i could read this real quick 700 pages later it's like eight o'clock in the morning i'm like damn it but what i love about that document is is well not that i love it but the fact that that should be shared at every freaking university i mean that this is shit that's supposedly taboo that doesn't is not necessarily real or mainstream science like this should be this should be what they're talking about well, it's why the government doesn't tell you what they did with their money. Yeah. Crazy, man. I don't know. It's nuts to me. I, um, I, I just think, I think it validates a lot of uh, things. And I think the weird part is why we dismiss so many things is because we don't know that there's documents like that. Back to what you said, I can actually get you a really good guest, Larry Hancock. He's a friend of mine. Um, he's been on the show multiple times. Not only did I invite him on the first time to talk about UFOs, he's looked over 20,000 documents on UFOs, but he also looked into the documents of the JFK assassination, which he ended up coming on later and doing a couple of panels with me with some of the experts on the JFK thing. Um, and he was on the show recently as well, too. Um, talking about Cuba. He has wrote extensive work on both UFO and JFK, but he's part of the Scientific Coalition um, of Aerial Phenomena. And um, looking through the documents, um, we talked about this. A lot of those documents, and they do have documents on the CIA website talking about UAPs, so does the FBI talk about as well too. And actually they have a category distinction on one of the documents that talked about, write down what it looked like, write down what sound it make, write down when you saw it, write down where you saw it, write down the temperature or what it felt like in the air when you saw it, um, all these types of things. But you have to look through a lot of those documents that do talk about UAPs. There's a good amount of disinformation that's in those documents on purpose because what they thought a lot of these UAPs were at first were things during the Cold War and during a lot of Russian propaganda stuff. They thought it was Russia's high-tech equipment that what they were seeing. And so when they wrote down in these documents the idea of UAPs, they thought in case a Russian spy came across their document, they would run off with wrong information, much like we did with creating psychological warriors. So it was like every validated one there's also like a conspiracy one and that's why like when we release documents in that uap release at the beginning of the year was it last year or something like that um we only released like nine pages and the other pages were just like index and references and then every other country like i think australia released like twelve thousand. like we didn't get shit and it's not that they didn't want to tell us it's just like imagine when they release their documents everyone's gonna have access to that and there's that big compromise security factor which is they're not only trying to protect it from us they're protecting it from just outside forces i mean some of the top pages in the world are russian troll farms that's what's nuts is a russian organization created to just be trolls on the internet one of the top pages on facebook is a russian troll farm it's called my baby daddy ain't shit with over three million likes on it and it just talks about deadbeat dads it's not real right what the fuck well, and I think that's important. I do think that, uh, you know, disinformation or not sharing everything you know is important for national security um, because, you know, humans are screwed up and, you know, we're they'll awesome. try, they'll try to, you know, do things to, 
to compromise another nation. But uh, so I do think, you know, I do think I do buy into that. And I do think that's very important. But, you know, some of the stuff that I think that they're not sharing is probably perhaps not really a level of national security concern. Uh, do you think people need to know that their government was drugging random civilians? This was a conflict I had on my show. I reached out to a person who put a new perspective in my head, and I value his time for it. He wrote many books on the history of the CIA. I John mean, Ranley. perhaps, um, yeah, perhaps they do need to know just so that they know kind of what we're up against or what, what we got to deal with. I think the way that the information should be distributed, and I know it's going to conflict, so not to be a hypocrite, I know I mentioned in the beginning, I think you need to teach the real history, but also teach how to consume the real history. I also think that if you can't meet me at that point, if you can't make that agreement, then I think you need to make all the information available, but necessarily you don't have to shove it in people's faces. You could just let the people who are interested in learning more about it, look it up. And there doesn't need to be this idea of conspiratorial shows or dark shows. You just need to understand that if they have the document to back it up, I mean, I have I, what I try and do is I have seen things I mentioned and I try my best to at least reference what it is so you can be able to find it on your own. But it does help to be able to show you a document like I just did that validates the consciousness talk. And I think you can't hide those. You have to let them be available. But that document's not easy to find. That's a, that was deep in the archives on the CIA website. So I'm just saying like, they don't make it easy, but it's there. I think that's the best option we can go with because people who want to know, want to know, and people who don't want to know, they don't listen to those shows and they don't list, look for that information. Yeah. And they don't really give a shit one way or another, whether they know it or don't know it. And I, I'm with you. I, I agree completely with what you just said. Good. Because it would be terrible if we disagreed. Not just, I don't know. That's all I got. I, anything else you got on your mind? On um, think you looking down at your paper. I'm assuming you have something written down. No, I mean that that uh, I mean you. We basically kind of touched on what I figured we were going to was dive into a little bit of consciousness talk. And uh, um, that document you shared was uh, fascinating. I, I do appreciate that. Um, no, man, I just, you know, like I said, just give me a minute off air. I want to talk to you a little bit about, you know, the film that I just recently watched. I wasn't um, done wrapping the show. I was just, I was just asking. Oh, I was gotcha, making sure I wasn't gotcha. jumping so far all over the place. No, you're, you're okay. good, bro. You're good. Um, I know you, you do a more structured thing on yours. So, but I, I do enjoy, I've listened to a bunch of your shows. Like I said, I'm subscribed on YouTube. Um, everyone should subscribe to that to your channel thank you thank you yeah i don't i don't really push the youtube thing i've had a couple people reach out to me and tell me that i'm doing it wrong and i need to i need to focus more on youtube uh i, I get don't know death threats for my jfk episodes don't fucking worry <laughs> that's funny i've talked to both sides and i got death threats for having the opposite side on my show and i was like look i if they, they yelled at him they're like you know he's a serial plagiarist right i was like yes i'm aware of that but also i'm not going to just say that to the guy on my show i mean my whole, you got to learn, you got to talk to people, even if they don't agree with you. I'm happy to talk with people I don't agree with. There's just one topic on my show I'll never touch because people can't fucking talk about it right. What, what topic's that? The fucking Native American topic. Mm. When they, as soon as you get into that discussion with someone with Harry Potter glasses, they immediately start going, you're a white man, you need to die. And I'm like, Jesus Christ. All right, let me just bring this up. The Native Americans, there is evidence to support that they would have done the same shit to us. So you got to keep that in the argument. I mean, they killed each other. 
That's what I'm saying. It wasn't just when you say give back to the Native American people, I think you need to look at like who, which fucking tribe, because they were all over the place and they were all killing each other. They all did not like each other. There's not this uniform. When you line them all on one side, that's even more hurtful to that idea of things. And I think that's just people, though. I mean, everywhere, nobody knows if you're going to. I mean, back at one of my conversations with a friend of mine studied Spartan history, when the Spartans used to capture the towns after raids and like would kill their family members in battle they would sleep in the house with the people who they just murdered some of their family do you not think at one point and they didn't have the fear of a person bashing in their head with a rock i'm sure it happened but they didn't fear it because they thought they were powerful they had won in battle and a lot of people don't know that 300 spartans did you know that a lot of them or i think it was all of them were lovers that's the thing is that you don't see in the movie what the Spartans believed in their teaching practices is that you would fight better with your attached relationship with your combat partner if you were in a sexual relationship or love relationship with your partner. So they were happily openly make, you know, make love because they believed they were you- okay. Yeah. Is that what you're telling me? Yeah. So, well, not. I, 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 maybe there was one or two that weren't, but when I talked to my buddy who studied Spartan history, they were like, yeah, that was a way to fight better. I mean, it was just the tactic. You would put your life on the line for someone else, not because you're friends, but because you're emotionally relations, relationshiply attached. And that's why there's a, a big push in the community. Apparently right now, I had a discussion about this on my show to make Achilles gay because he had this relationship with his training partner, who was his best friend. But yeah, you can probably get close in training, but what happened is the events after his friend died, he immediately overgrieves, like goes to war over this guy who died. But what they don't mention is that that guy who died was impersonating his friend and went to battle as his friend. So it's a guilt trip. The guy goes, you, they, that would have been me. That would have been dead, but you impersonated me and then you got killed. So that's what also has to be brought to the table. But there's a lot of that stuff. And it, we just think about it differently. The idea of like, oh, you're gay and all this type of stuff. As open as we are now, it was like that back in the day. They didn't think of it as like, oh, male. I mean, Hadrian's Wall, the guy who built that, he built a statue for, I think it's Astosteles or whatever his name is, who was just a, a, a general. But he was a boy at first who this guy found at a young age, and it became his lover. And that's why there's statues of him all over the UK. Because this guy was so in love with this, this king was so in love with this guy, he built statues all over the place of him. That's fascinating. And then perhaps too, I mean, I don't know. I mean, you're going to, I don't know. It's just an interesting situation because, I mean, these this group of men, they go out. I mean, who knows how long they're out, right? They, they could be out for years at a time, right? Well, I mean, look at, that when one of them died look where they buried them they didn't just they buried like that's it was i think it was a conflict with archaeologists where they found warriors that were buried farther away from the campsite and the way we would have came across it at first would have been like this guy must have been an outcast or he must have not been liked why isn't he buried with the rest of the troops but the way it was is that Either that was a family member of one of the persons who buried him, and he thought he wanted to make his separate from all the others to separate him and make him like, this is my dad's burial. I'm not going to have him next to all the other people that I barely know their name or something like that, even though they were all in relationships. Um, But when you look at also the aspect of if they had a lover who died, 
you buried your lover away from all the other bodies that were just piled up. I mean, that was the weirdest thing. If you look at burials, the evolution of burials have just evolved people making tombs and things for just one specific individual. And then slowly we got into this place in society where we cremate people. Now we stick them, plant them under a tree. I mean, the evolution of death is a weird concept in our society as much as the evolution of life is. It is weird. And it, a lot of it's tied to beliefs on the afterlife, you know, what do you, which believe? is interesting. And as far as where, what is well, good as, to like, know Jiminy Cricket's not dead, but what do you believe <laughs> in the afterlife? Um, what, what do I believe happens in the afterlife? Well, do you believe it's like heaven where everyone's got their own personal heaven? It'd be weird if we all share. Yeah, I, be I, I believe that uh, it's what we want it to be. Imagine if my heaven's a strip club and I have to share it with like everyone else. Then everyone else just to see my heaven and gets to see there's just like naked chicks walking around everywhere. And I'm sitting in, I believe, a, in an Impala. <laughs> I mean, I do. I believe it's what we want it to be um, because, you know, we're creators of, of our, our environment. You know, we're, we're, we're creators. I mean, we're, I, th I believe we're all part of the same conscious energy. We're just separated for our own personal experiences. So I think, you know, when, when you pass on, you reconnect with the whole and you understand things better. And I, I believe that, you know, you can kind of probably perhaps do what you want to do. Um, at least that's, that's what a lot of near death experience people, you know, tend to believe, you know, there's people that have had like hellish near death experiences and then been able to through just the power of thought, manipulate it to make it better, a better experience while they're there. It, it's, it's interesting. I would say, and I'm going to write a book or a paper to the same paper that Peter or the same school that Peter Bogosian wrote a paper to. I just thought of this. I think the afterlife is fat shaming because why is there a stairway to heaven, but a highway to hell? That doesn't make any fucking sense. That's ass backwards. That is completely backwards. No, but I mean, when I used to work at a hotel, I, um, used to work with this guy, his name is Bobby or Bobby or Billy. I've gotten his, I've said his name different times. I mean, in the very first, I mean, you just broke a hundred. Congratulations to you. I mean, you're 160 something, if I'm not mistaken, hundred, maybe more. What you're talking episodes. Yeah. Yeah. I'm at like 125 or something like okay. that. I was a little bit off. Um, but yeah, you broke the hundred mark. Welcome to the hundred club. Next is your a thousand mark. Get there. Dude, you're in, you're in like uh Go heading on 1500, bro. <laughs> um, but I think his name is Bobby or Billy. I mentioned this like when I was in my first hundred. Um, there's this guy that I, when I worked at this hotel, he was a chef and he talked about he died three times. One, he died and was brought back as a firefighter. Well, he died as a firefighter, obviously. He didn't, wasn't like brought back or reincarnated. He was a firefighter. He died. They resuscitated him. He came back. Nothing changed. The second time he died, his heart, because he had a heart issue, his heart gave out and his heart stopped and they defibbed him and got him back. Um, he said he started seeing like paranormals, like shit, like ghosts and spirits and stuff. And the third time he got a pacemaker put in. But when they were going to, I forgot something that happened. He had to get his pacemaker or something adjusted or something had to happen. They had to go back in and fix it. He died on the table and they brought him back. And the third time he talked about like, now he can like, not just have like this paranormal experience, but he can like talk to spirits and shit. And I don't, I, like I said, that's an interesting story. I can't validate it, 
but I don't see the point in lying, especially when he's at that age, you know, to be able to do that type of stuff. And he's not insane. I mean, he seemed knew a lot of shit. He was very knowledgeable about some stuff, like just interesting things like history. Um, he never went into any of the nine 11 conspiracies. So that's a good thing, I guess that to make sure validate his argument of not being a nut job, I guess, even though the nine 11 shit's kind of interesting, you got to look into. Um, but it, to me, it was just interesting to hear because I, I don't believe in an afterlife. I think when you die, you're, you're, you're done. You're gone. I get the idea of why people believe in it because I don't think anybody wants to know that they're gone, but I just don't, I don't, like, I don't understand the ass. Like, I just can't, I'm not religious. I don't get to that ass. Even if it's not religion, the idea of an afterlife, I think it's just more when you can't feel energy in the room. I, when my grandmom died and, oh God. Uh, March, I think of last year when I saw her body and there was her eyes shut and there was nothing, I felt no energy. I felt no presence, much like two people in a room could feel it. I didn't feel anything. You wouldn't, she's not there no more. I mean, her energy's moved on. I know. I just, I don't think it moved on. I think it just, it just went away. Like the lights go out. doesn't mean necessarily mean you go to another place. I think it's just, you're, that's it for you. And it could be a sad way to think about it, but I just think that's to me, that just makes the most sense. It doesn't scare me though. Like it'd be nice to be like in the heaven and where you're, you know, everyone has that video of a dog coming up to them. It's their childhood dog or whatever. Yeah. But when your childhood dog dies, that pain feels like it's never going to go away. And then it does. And then you just start looking into how your brain works and you start realizing your brain can do some crazy shit, but everything your brain does is the same thing it does when you're in a coma. It just fabricates a reality and it protects itself. Your brain doesn't want you to know that you're, I had a, I have a scrape on my arm. I did this morning. I didn't notice it until I looked at it. And then I looked at it and I was like, fuck, I feel it now. Why? You got to go back to the CIA document, man. Consciousness exists outside of the body. I think that's a disinformation. It, it, It exists outside the body, man. I mean, you look at people that have flatlined and, you know, near death experience. I just had a guy at work just this new guy I'm training, he just comes out of nowhere and starts telling me about this suicide that he attempted when he was younger. And he had this near death. He doesn't even know who I am. Like he doesn't even know that I'm a podcaster or any of that. And I'm, I'm just like listening to this, but anyway, he flatlined and it's the same thing. Like he had an experience on the other side, man. Like he was dead. He was, he was physically clinically dead. And you know, he, he flatlined and he had this near death experience and then he, you know, he brings it back to tell about it. I mean, there's something, there's something there. There's more, there's more that exists. Um, you need to look into, I think I've probably told you this before, past life regressions, stuff like that. It's just, there's something there, man. I'm telling you. There's just too much evidence that points to an existence beyond this one, one lifetime. And it makes it a lot easier for me because you can't tell me that, you know, the, 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 the newborns that are born, that die, you can't tell me that that's their only shot at life. You know, that's, or somebody, a little three or four year old that gets cancer and dies. You can't tell me that that's their only shot at life, that, that that's their one, their one true time. And that's it. They're done. They're it's gone. It's over with they're dead and gone. And that's just is what it is. They were unlucky. And, this guy that lives to be 95 was, you know, and wealthy and has all these great experiences. It, it, it just doesn't make sense. It, it, the universe has a way of um, setting things right. I think, I think there's like these laws in place that, 
that kind of balances the books. And for me, that's that's why I believe. I'm, I, I'm not going to discern your belief or anything. I just that's that's like why I said my controversial take would be is that I just I don't I think if a child gets cancer and dies, it's terrible. But I think it's a way to rationalize to ourself that obviously there's something else afterwards. But I have plenty of friends and I have family members that believe that there's an afterlife and still talk about, you know, family members that we've lost. And this year alone, I lost two uncles in a matter of two weeks between each other um, who are all just in like their late forties. So it's just like, yeah, I get the justification of it. I just, for me, I'm just like, I don't know. I just don't, I don't see the whole, I think it takes a lot more energy to believe that there's what do you think a psychic medium's picking up on then when um she perhaps touches on or he they perhaps touch on you know a past loved one and they're picking up on things that they have no way of knowing or i mean what is that what is that yeah why you gotta ask me that question because then my family's gonna get mad when they hear my answer so that that's a personal thing i've mentioned on my show before so my grandmom could I don't know how to validate it, but hear spirits and this type of stuff. And then I have my own. Um, I get deja vu. Like a child gets deja vu. Mine never went away, though. Like I have experiences and dreams where like we had a you could say this is a coincidence. This is like my weird shit, like how you have like that, you know, this idea like here's my weird shit. This is my weird shit. My weird shit is that there was a person in our town that went missing. I had a dream that before I even knew about that person going missing. I had a dream about this person's body that was laying in this marsh area. Exactly, I knew exactly where that was at the spot in my town. Went downstairs, I was like, I just had this weird fucking dream. And my mom's like, what was it? And I started explaining it. There was this person. I explained what the person looked like. My mom goes, did he look like this? And showed me a photo. And it was a person on our local newspaper that was missing. It, it was an, a web article that came out that day. There was no way I would have been able to dream it the night before if I, that article was not published. It was published like 7 a.m. I was downstairs at like 6.30 a.m. Um, I said, I was like, that's the guy. And she's like, where did you see it? And I explained where I saw it. And they found the person's body like two days later. So at that area. So exactly what I described. Now, that's my weird shit. And the only way I can explain that even deeper is there's a girl named Sarah Foxwell who went missing a, way back when I was a kid. You might have heard about it. My dad does not believe in any of this paranormal shit at all. But he became a believer when my mom and this girl's image was all over the place and my mom had a dream of where this girl's body was. My dad made an anonymous, uh, anonymous phone call into the, the police and they found the girl's body exactly where my mom had a dream about it. Now, my mom goes a little bit farther and says, like, the little girl told me this is where my body is and make sure my parents find me. That's what, what she you, describes. It. You, you don't buy into that? I mean, that's that's. It's that's the, personal I still experience. Get, I know. I still get questions about it to this day. Like my mom asks this shit, shit like, hey, do you still get anything? And I'm like, I do. But like mostly mine's like my I don't dream. I'm an insomniac. So when I sleep and I've had scientists on my show to talk about it, I they think that with my ADHD, I just have like I'll be dead tired one minute and then I'll be pumped up again. And I think through this episode, anybody listening can prove that I definitely have ADHD because I'm all over the place. But my energy the reason why I do an episode a day and I'm interested in a lot of shit, I'm making a film right now. I'm actually making like two films is because I only get 30 minutes of sleep a night. And in that 30 minutes, it feels like eight years. My experience of time is just different. That's why I talk to these people so I can learn more about the topic. And what it is, is hitting an unnatural REM cycle. And 
you could relate it to ancient history, night watchers, people that used to be up in the middle of the night that are night owls. They were guarding the campfire at night. Or you could relate it to the fact that my brain just needs us a low amount of energy. Now, I could do that for a long time. I mean, I, I drink six energy drinks a day, but they're for taste. I can drink in I've had three right now, but I could go to sleep right now. It's energy drinks. They, they just taste good to me. It's probably not good for my heart. And the way I can back that up is when I had mouth surgery, they put a heart monitor on me and I work out every day. I don't take a break. I every day for 10 years, even during the pandemic, I had a key to my gym. I was there, um, but they put a heart monitor on me and they were like 50. That's not right. And I was like, my heart is like it my fingertips get cold, my toes get cold. And it's because what your body does is it, it tries to conserve, conserve blood towards your organs, the vital things. So when you're, it, it won't extend it out to my fingertips when it considers these more vital. So that's why like my fingertips get cold. I think when I measured at my gym, we have a temperature thermometer thing. My hands are 70 something and my heart and chest are like nineties. So it's like, it just where it's warmer over here. It's why I always wear hoodies all the time. Um, but when I put the heart monitor on, it was 50 and he goes, that's not right. I was like, I have an unnaturally low heart rate. It happens when I work out. I think I can get it up to 90 if I get really upset about something, but my heart just, like I said, it's that time thing. Everything seems like I'm moving quick, but my body's like, oh, we're going to go slow-mo, but he goes, we're going to get a new heart monitor system on you. So they change out that one. And they gave me another one, same thing. Now I had to go under to do the surgery, but they couldn't give me the medication because they go, if your heart drops lower than this, we could lose you. So I go, so what's the fix? They're like, this is, you might feel this. It's going to be uncomfortable. And they put his, put his knee on my arm and he went in there and I extracted a tooth. I was awake for it, but I was going in and out of consciousness because they already gave me a pill to go under. It just wasn't knocking me out and they couldn't add more on top of it because of the low heart rate. So as I'm drifting off from consciousness, I'm listening to Adele sing hello. And it's the scene, hello from the, and you're staring at the doctor dentist lamp thing up. And so like, I'm having in and out, like waking up, going back, waking up, waking up and all this. And, um, they, uh, oh, fuck, what was I about to say? Wow. Well, so they didn't want to, they didn't want me to drift out and they you know, did that Adele's plan. Um, but it's this fact, I don't know where I was going with it. I fucking lost it, dude. I'm sorry. I was going into, I started envisioning the, well, was it, I mean, something that you know, you were going in and out of consciousness. Um, you were, I don't know, you were just discussing how. <laughs> you don't even know where I was at. Well, here's the, here's the, at. here's the thing, man, whether you believe in the afterlife or not, I'm just asking you, I'm not telling you, you know, you, you, you believe what you want to believe, but what you should do, I recommend this is just don't be close-minded to it. Just I'm not. have an, have, have an open mind. Um, I mean, and there's take, smells I get from a smell that i haven't smelled since i was a kid and it's a weird feeling like is someone watching me and that's people say oh that's you know this and that's this i don't necessarily believe that's true just because it just hurts to even think that oh god there's you know this and it's like shit why is it always the worst times when they're watching me like can i just you know fucking be in my room alone doing the the the, the daily routines a man needs to do and someone's got to be watching me i'm just fucking around but um I, I mean, I, like I said, I went to where my mom used to work when I was a kid. I used to be in this hotel and there were spirits in that hotel. And the way I knew this is that when I was a little kid, like four, that wasn't four or five, I think it was like probably five or six. Um, I was still in elementary school. I remember sitting on my bed, watching Scooby-Doo 
uh, Earth, Wind, and Fire episode where they had that band, the witches, on there. And it was, I think it was the Dracula movie that they had where they were at like Mount, whatever it was, and that ghost Dracula thing was out or whatever. But I, this lady came by and she was dressed up in like an old maid outfit, like just when that was the style of the hotel. It's a retro vintage. It's been built since the 1800s, stuff like that. So it's got that whole look to it. So I figured that was their work attire was, you know, this maid outfit. And it was a you know, African-American lady. And she said to me, how you doing, sweetheart? I was like, I'm sick from school. She's like, sick, huh? And did a smile. And I was like, huh? and then um, she's like, do you need anything? I was like, well, my mom said not to bother anybody. So I'll go downstairs and ask her if I need anything you know, she gives me a wave and smiles and goes down the hallway. I mean, not even a minute after I saw her pass that doorway, I jumped off the bed, ran right around the corner and there was no one there. So I walked downstairs. And I'm like, well, now, damn it. She mentioned a sandwich and I am kind of hungry. So I go downstairs, walk down the steps and go to where my mom is working at the front as she was like the hostess to the restaurant area. And I said, Hey, um, I just, this lady asked me if I wanted a sandwich and now I kind of want a sandwich. Can I get a sandwich? Um, they're like, what lady? And I was like, explain what she looked like. And my mom was like, there's no lady that works here like that. And my aunt and my mom are really into this stuff. So they thought it was that 100%. But there was only three people on staff. That's my aunt. And that's my mom. And that's the chef in the kitchen. So I don't know who that was. Maybe it was a guest fucking with me. But there's that type of stuff. And I've had that Listen, throughout man. my whole entire childhood. So I just, you're, I, I, I don't throw it out. Spirit. I don't you're throw it out. Spirits. Yeah. You're so having dreams of, of, of dead people. And you're telling me that you don't believe in, in the afterlife. It's cool, man. It's cool. Just stay open. That's what bro. it was. So it was the, the sleep thing. So when I don't, when I sleep that 30 minutes and it feels like eight years, I never dream. But what I have been doing, and it's whenever there's something like severely going on wrong, there's always like a deeper meaning to it. I have these very long dreams that feel and I think I've explained one of them on my show before I think it was like a whole like two hour episode me and my buddy we were talking about our dreams and just went into it um but a lot of things are like warnings like hey don't do this or don't do that like your, your car issues and all that and I mean I I'll send a text to someone and it'll be like it, that's like I said that's my weird stuff but whatever it's something where I feel like I'm shaken by it then I'll like I mean I woke up one time I, I had this long dream I explained on the show now, my light in my room, my lamp, I just never turn it off. It's it's kind of like this one. It's a small little light. So I always just leave it on um, because the wire's broken. So if I turn it off, it'll take me an hour and a half to try and get it adjusted right to get it back on. So I was like, fucking just leave it on. Um, it never goes out. Now, I had this crazy ass dream where it was dark in my room i was in my room and i was in my bed and my closet door was open my closet i i throw all my clothes on a chair my closet is never opened it's always shut so this closet door's open and i pull, pulled down the covers and i was like who the fuck's there because i felt eyes watching me and this grudge thing came out of the fucking i'm getting chills talking about it. came out of this fucking closet climbed up on my fucking you know top of the thing and just fell on top of me and started scratching the shit out of me. I woke up, scratches right here, fucking closet doors open, and my lamp's off. I'm like, what the fuck? But I rationalized it. My closet door must have been cracked. A wind gust from the vent must have opened it up because when my AC kicks on, it does do a large push. And then I think it's because I washed my sheets that night, and it scratched me from the fabric softener. But it was like, that was weird shit where I had a dream and then I fucking woke up and I was losing my shit. I was messed up for like a good, like 10 minutes. I was like, fuck. I even like, yeah. So, but I rationalized it. It's a hundred percent what I said it was the scientific conclusion of a 
scratches from the sheet and there's no, no grudge there. That, that shit happened, bro. That shit happened. People would use the example like, oh, it must be someone from the afterlife trying to send you a message to like mind your, you know, be nicer or something. I'm like, fuck you. I won't give you that shit. Uh, that's funny. You've that's never funny, had a paranormal bro. experience like that? If I've shared two now or three, um, give me one. So I've seen a hat, man. Uh, in a, <laughs> what no, do you mean, really. like a fedora? No, yeah, yeah, a hat man. Uh, for, uh, oh. You look it up, it's a thing. It's a shadow person, but they, for whatever reason, they wear a hat. I have seen one of those, and it was me and five, uh, four other people in the car. You said, I've seen a hat man, and I thought you were saying like how I say, yeah, man. So when no, you said, I've seen a hat, I was like, were you at a hat store? Like, I, I didn't know you uh, meant hat man. I thought you meant, yeah. I've seen a hat man. Like you've seen a hat, like a fedora, and you're like, no, a hat man. Okay, now no, I'm he just... had a fedora on though. He did have a fedora. No shit, that's always yeah. an evil hat. Yeah. So the the place we went, we were actually like ghost hunting, and I um, and it's just the the potential is there. It's so so they say that you know you're supposed to be able to allegedly see it, a shadow person or something like that at this place that we went, and um, I was with some friends. I think it was my brother, his girlfriend, my girlfriend, and my buddy was driving and I was in the passenger seat. And this is a long time ago. I was probably, I don't know, I was probably 21, 22. Um, but anyway, make a long story short, we're driving, you drive under this underpass and you're supposed to pull over. And in that area, you're potentially supposed to see something. So we pull over, we're sitting in the car. We're not, nobody wants to get out. They're kind of like, eh, I don't know. It's kind of creepy out here. The sun was just starting to set. It was getting kind of dark and we're sitting there talking. And my buddy, George is like looking in his, his mirror, you know, his, his driver's side mirror. And I'm like, what, what? And I, I turn around and I look and I'm like, what, what you see something? I look out the back window and sure, sure enough, dude, swear, there, there's this shadow thing walking towards the car. And now it's 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 down a ways. It's probably I don't know a good half mile away from the car, and but it, you could see that it's getting closer. And it's like it's like walking like real weird. And uh, everybody in the car seen it. Everybody. And um and I'm like I'm telling George I'm like just wait man just wait 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 because I could tell like he started the car and he's like putting it in gear and he, he's ready to go I'm like just wait just wait anyway he ended up taking off because he got kind of spooked but that was probably that paranormal experience and then just uh, the conversations I had with a psychic medium about my father um, was kind of paranormal because um she touched on some stuff that. She had no no way of knowing, no business of knowing. Um, it was strange. It was like I was talking to my dad. One of my favorite episodes on this show was I had I had two times I had my tarot cards read on air. But one time was really hilarious. He's a good friend of mine, um, Gordon. Um, he's a friend from the show. Like it's how I met him. Um, I was talking to his wife who like she hunted polar bears and did all this. Crazy. That's a very controversial topic now. But when she did it, it wasn't. It was like you could normally hunt a polar bear. It was like a, a good event thing to do. Now it's like society will cancel the shit out of you. Um, but the tarot card guy out of my show, he's reading cards and he's like, I'm getting a, a girl. He's like, you're going to fall in love. So I think I wrote down everything he said. Here's the weird part. He said that your brother should get his, you know, his like prostate checked. And I was like, what the fuck are you talking about? 
He's like, get his like area down there checked. I was like, I'm not going to fucking tell my brother that. He said it. You can look at the episode, Gordon Fair. I think it's like 400 something. You can look up. Um, mind the audio because I did not have my shore mic. I had another mic. Um, so you don't sound so crisp and smooth. Um, but I told my brother, like, hey, after this conversation, get checked. He did. And they actually found some things. So that was weird and a coincidental thing. One thing he did say is by 2024, your podcast is going to take off. And I was like, oh, fuck. And I was like, wait a minute. I've been saying I wanted I wasn't going to make it past 26 and I'll be 26 in 2020. Do I kill myself and my podcast becomes great? Not kidding. But that that, that was the thing I did say is 26 was what I'll make it to. And then he said 2024 and I added it up. It is 26. I'm 24 now. It's 2022. So another thing he said is you're going to fall in love. And I was like, oh, really? Oh, shit. What's she look like? And he starts describing this person. I'm like, my mom? And he's like, what? I, no, no, no. But what's she doing later? As like a joke. That's what he said. And um, I was like, get your mind out of the gutter, Gordon. That's not legal. And then he goes into describing this woman. She's like a, f- a lady from another country, but she's blonde. She's gorgeous, kind of a little bit shorter than me. Um, and he goes, and then you lose her. And I was like, what? Why do I lose her? And like, he goes, well, you break up with her. I was like, why the hell? If she's the girl of my dreams, why the hell would I break up with her? There's got to be a damn good reason. And before I could finish that sentence, he goes, she's a white supremacist. I'm like, yep, that'll do it. That'll fucking rip up the relationship 100%. <laughs> and it was like, it was just that moment that was so fucking natural and funny as shit that I just like, you just see my face go, yep, like 100%. So you never met this woman, I take it? No, no, no. No, I've met similar people, but I don't, I haven't known them enough to know if they were a white, that that was a hundred percent. And it's just my dating history. My dating history has been more chicks that weren't white than anything like that. So it didn't make sense that, but when he, when he said that, I was like, yeah, it was a hundred percent. That would definitely tear up the relationship is that. That's interesting though. He hit that with your brother though. That was. Yeah. He wrote down a couple of things. He said that someone was going to ask about a new job offer and he, it was about, I guess uh, he was like a fitness job offer. I was like, I do work at a gym, um, but you could probably tell from my jacket because um, I was wearing at the time I was wearing a work hoodie. And um, he goes, someone's going to pay for your schooling. And I was like, what, to be a trainer? My gym would pay to be me to be a trainer. And then he goes, then someone's going to come up, come over to you with a business opportunity. And you just have to say no, because that's going to be bad for you if you invest into it. And I was like, all right. So I wrote those down. I got the paper still. I think it's been like two years now. I still got the paper in my thing. Um, But there's the other person, um, Erica, who is on. She's a teacher. and She was pulling cards. And as she would pull the cards, she would have them and she'd post them on this little post thing she had by her camera. So it would show you the card. And one of the cards she pulled, and it was more of like a Walking Dead style tarot cards because they have different customizations for them and stuff like that. And um, she pulled this card out. The guy had a beard like I did, had scraggly hair like I did, was wearing a white shirt on the card. I was wearing a white hoodie. And it looked like she lined it up perfectly. Like, it kind of looks like you. And I was like, I usually get Tom Holland, but this was like, but it was just, that was weird. And then like every card I had, none of them got the death card. I was so fucking bummed because apparently death card is like the best card to get. Apparently means not death to you. It means an end to something bad. Yeah. That's fascinating. That's fascinating. I, I, I don't know. I don't know if I buy into tarot, tarot cards. I, I guess you're not buying into tarot. I, I guess there could be something to it. Um, I think it it kind of acts as a guide to help people um, to read and, and understand things and 
I guess I guess there is there's perhaps something to it. I just I've had some experience with it, but I'm not sure, man. I'm Did a little skeptical. Good? Did you ever get anything good? Um, yeah, but I, I I don't know. I just feel I'm just skeptical about it. I, I don't know. I just I just feel like I hate the I hate the thought of perhaps cards telling of you know the future or unfolding of something i don't know i just i just feel like we we make our own our own way in the world and we can we can change and we have free will to change directions at any moment i i would like i said i probably stand more in the belief that your brain probably tells you about things and alerts you to things like if you get a vision about something it's probably something that you're i i believe in that sixth sense thing a hundred percent um i just don't necessarily i think it's just ways that our brain tries to rationalize the reality that we're in and i don't use it more of like a scientific stance i just think that like everyone has an extra perception or extra ability but more people are in tune with that extra ability and that's why you get like psychic abilities and stuff yeah Um, i agree with that but i don't think it comes from like a power from somewhere else i think it's just something that's been instinctually like we know about ancient dna is real like it's why you probably look more like your grandfather or your great-grandfather than you do your dad um, it's cause like, there's just inherent traits that you get you. So like I get, I have a personality that's more in tune with my great grandfather and I have more features that look like my great grandfather than my grandfather or my dad does. And it makes it difficult for my grandfather to talk to me on that aspect because it's so much like his dad. It's so funny it's, that you say that. Well, that's, that's how the genomes lined up. I, when I went to school, I, uh, dated this girl who she had three sisters and she was completely different than every single one of her sisters. So the way you can look at it and the way I examined it and it took a genealogy class on it, it's like a grid with the quadrant one, quadrant two, quadrant three, and quadrant four. There's like the alpha cells, the overpowering ones. Like if you have a blonde, if you date a blonde girl with blue eyes, your kid's probably going to have blonde hair and blue eyes. That's a dominant trait. Then there's the recessive traits. So category quadrant four would be all your recessive traits. Quadrant two and quadrant three would be a combination of dominant and recessive traits. And quadrant one would be all dominant traits. That's why some people, like some kids are like nine feet tall and they're fucking in high school and they bench press like a car and shit. And they're like 13 years old with a beard. And you're like, Jesus Christ. And every coach is like, I hope your parents are dead because I'm signing you up for sports. Um, but th- that's more dominant traits. And then you get into the area like where people talk about like the alpha male has evolved. Alpha male back in the day used to be a biker jacket, smoking a cigarette with a long beard and huge and jacked and athletic. And now alphas are beta people, people that were big tech company people, Bill Gates style people. And it's just the way society evolves, which more recessive traits. I mean, we know our fertility counts going to shit. Um, Shanna Swan, who studied phthalates and plastic, our fertility count has dropped from 97% to 42%. Um, and that is from the number of plastics we use from shampoos to the plastic that contains our food. Um, Probably uh, bottled water. Yeah. And it, it's weird how they show the linkage, which in studies of apes and also studies of babies, it's the shrinkage and taint size. That area between you know, that gooch spot the smaller that is, the worse your fertility count is. And they've noticed over generations that the number of plastics that's been doing all this has been making your taint smaller. So they think at like at some point our grand, like for instance, they used to like one child policy in like Shanghai and all that. They pay people to have kids now because it's so damn hard for them to be able to reproduce. That's why people have so many fertility issues, not just um, miscarriages, but just hard for, you know, to produce. 
And that's from our number of plastic consumptions. Back in the day, we used to use glass bottles for Cokes. We used to use glass bottles for everything. And then we found plastics. And it turns out this more way of cheaper, um, more effective, and turns out it's bad for the environment. But at the time, they didn't know that actually is hurting our society when it comes to our reproductive needs. That's interesting. I know a lot from the show. Like I could write a book, but it wouldn't make any fucking sense. I would be off on like <laughs> It'd be all over the damn place. Yeah. You'd have to do it by chapters. <laughs> Chapter one, fertility. Chapter two. Hold on. We got to talk about taint size. JFK. <laughs> it's, it's called the analgesic distance. Anagetical distance, I think it's called, is the scientific name for it. They don't like it when you say taint. I've made that mistake a couple of times. I'm like, it's the tape. They're like, no, it's a fucking scientific term. You're making fun of my job. I'm like, I'm not trying to, but that's what the area is called. Oh, that's crazy, man. That's crazy. Well, man, it's been a good discussion. I, I don't know. I got to probably wrap this thing up. I got, I got some shit to get into. Did I, um, did I give you what you, did I give you, you gave me what I needed, but I give you what you. Needed. Absolutely, bro. Um, it's good. I'm, I'm, I'm excited to introduce my listeners to you and your podcast. Cause you know, I've been on your show, I think what three or four times now. I think it's three. Yeah. And it, it'll, it'll just be good. It'll be, it'll be good to, you know, to give them something new. And uh, you're an interesting guy. You, you, you're well versed in many subjects. That's what I love about you. And I never know what the hell I'm getting into when I talk to you, um, but I know it's going to be good, whatever it is. Master of none. I believe the term is called master of none. Yeah. But um, that, where can people find your links, man? Um, just check me out um, at any podcast platform that you enjoy or you can check me out at uh, www.insearchofrealitypodcast.com um, I'm pretty much all over the place I'm on YouTube um, you know I guess the best place would probably be Spotify or Apple podcasts but you can check me out anywhere well I'm gonna link your links in the description I'm gonna do the sign off which is thanks everybody for listening to this episode about the blank podcast and you stay tuned for a next episode and also in search of reality part it's a double feature that's what it is we're gonna call it double feature yeah.